Welcome to the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. It's good to see you all. Good to be with you. I am uh, pretty excited about the new sermon series we're starting today, especially as a uh, former and a little bit of a current chemistry geek, chemistry nerd, uh, I'm glad that we're going to be talking about chemical reactions a little bit. So I don't know how well you remember your high school chemistry or college chemistry. Any current chemistry students with us today? All right, I see hands in the back. Awesome, awesome. So you might recall, or maybe it's a bad memory you'd rather not have dredged up, but you might recall that in a chemical reaction, there are reactants, more than one thing that are put together, and then things happen, and then you end up with, with products. Something comes out of that reaction. Things are put together, something results. There are things also that are known as catalysts. Catalysts that are not technically reactants, but they're in the reaction, they're involved, because they help the reaction move along. Somehow they help what would normally be a naturally, naturally occurring reaction produce quicker or better results. Catalysts that make things happen. In the New Testament, we are given 100 one another instructions. That phrase, one another, shows up 100 times in the New Testament. And the more I've studied these, the more I'm convinced that these instructions really are designed to catalyze our relationships with each other, to catalyze healthy communities that honor God and that help us to to love one another, to serve one another, to reflect God's grace and goodness to one another. A hundred instructions, some of which are found in the mouth of Jesus. We find them in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Many of these instructions show up in the letters, the epistles of the New Testament, These communications to churches and believers written from Paul and James and John and Peter. And I think when something is mentioned a hundred times, we should probably pay some attention, see what this is about, see what's going on. And as we explore these one another passages in the Bible, I think we'll discover that these instructions that were given so long ago are actually incredibly pertinent and vital today in our lives, in our communities, in our families, in our churches. The phrase one another obviously implies relationship. It takes two to one another. There's more than one ingredient, more than one player in a relationship. In a chemistry lab, we know that there's more than one reactant that's put together into some sort of, usually a, a vessel, a flask, a cylinder, so that things can happen, so those reactants can mix and interact with each other. They're brought into proximity, and we know that sometimes, depending on what the reaction is, it can produce a, a beautiful result or a helpful product or maybe something explosive or dangerous. As human beings, sometimes we have the opportunity to choose which relationships we'll enter. Sometimes it feels like we're just kind of thrown together with people, 
It might feel like a pressure cooker setting. We're thrown into this vessel. We have to figure things out and see how we're going to interact and what's going to come of our time together. In relationships, we know that the people involved in those relationships make a difference. Some people seem to get along beautifully, easily well. Others seem to grate and chafe. We just know this as part of our personalities and, and who we are. But we also know that the environment of a relationship matters. What's the temperature in a relationship? What's the pressure? What's the stress level? How are these people interacting in a way that reflects the environment around them? And are there catalysts, are there factors involved that may help the reaction move forward? It seems that increasingly we live in a, a high-pressure, high-intensity culture, a culture that turns up the heat on our relationships, that can cause stress, a culture focused on discerning differences between one another, and then encouraging us more often than not to see those differences as potentially problematic. To see people who are different from us, not as, as key ingredients, as necessary parts of an important reaction and work together, but actually to see people who are different as, as hindrances. Hindrances to us and our dreams and hopes. Hindrances to us as a community. God's word invites us into the challenging and beautiful work of building community together, a community rooted in Jesus Christ. But our world seems to be so intent on encouraging us to other one another, to other, to see as different, to, to push away as different, to marginalize, even dehumanize those who are in some way not like us, not us. I believe that living out these one another instructions and commands in the Bible, reacting to and reacting with our brothers and sisters as God intends us to, to do, can really be the catalyst that helps us grow as individuals in our Christ-likeness, that helps us grow as a community and congregation into serving God and one another and our neighbors well. I believe that the one anothering that the Bible leads us into can really be a potent antidote to the othering that our culture and society invite us to participate in. So for the next five weeks, we're going to be diving into these one another instructions, asking God to take the raw ingredients of our lives, of our community, of our families, and do something beautiful by the work of God's Holy Spirit. Now, if I were to give you a list of all 100 one another commands and instructions in the Bible, we would see they're not, it's not just kind of a, a random assortment, not just a potpourri. It's, there are things that fall into certain categories. There are themes and images that seem to arise again and again in these one another statements. For example, about a third of these one another statements have to do with the idea of unity in Christ, oneness as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Jesus told his followers, be at peace with one another. Don't grumble among one another. And the apostle Paul had a lot to say about unity. 
Just a few examples. Be of the same mind with one another. Accept one another. Don't challenge or envy one another. Gently, patiently tolerate one another. These are just a few of the many, many verses, one another statements in the New Testament that make it abundantly clear that as Christians, as brothers and sisters called by the name of Jesus, formed into the body of Christ, we're meant to be one, not many. We're actually intended to, to get along, and not just to be nice to each other, although that's pleasant, but to truly have a sense of oneness, of being in it together, not that we have to agree, agree on absolutely everything, not that we have to try to be in some sort of lockstep uniformity. We're not just a bunch of clones. We are different, and yet we're called to be one, called to be united. Unity in God's word is, is a fascinating concept. We can read some verses, and it, it, it can seem like unity is a gift from God, he says, I have united you. I, here you go. You're united. And then other times we read about unity, and it seems like a lot of hard work. So if we look at the scope of Scripture, I think we get the sense of, of both and. It's something we've been given and something we're called to work at. For example, we find unity portrayed as a gift from God in passages like Ephesians 1, 8 through 10, where Paul writes, with all wisdom and understanding... God made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. And this is just one of many passages in the Bible that present unity as God's plan and God's gift. God's gift to the people God created and even to all of creation. He desires a united unified creation. And so God blesses us with unity, inviting us to live into it. And then other passages seem to present unity as something that might take some blood, sweat, and tears, something that might take a bit of hard work. For instance, in this very same letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, we find this verse, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And so unity is this both and gift and goal that we see presented to us in the New Testament. Unity, we're told, is it's in our DNA as the body of Christ. It's just it's part of who we are. And yet it might take some work for that to find its fullest expression as we live it out. You might think of somebody who's born with incredibly uh, pronounced natural ability in music. They've just got a gift for it. And we know that that same person might have to go through years of work and practice and lessons and recitals for that gift of music to be fully and most beautifully expressed. The psalm that Lisa read earlier describes how beautiful it is, what a good sight it is when brothers and sisters united in God, live into their gift of unity and live out their identity as united people. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard. 
running down on Aaron's beard, down to the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. Now, I once served on a church staff where our bearded worship pastor said, you know, oil running down my beard, that does not sound nice. I'm not sure why that's the picture of pleasantness. And so we have to understand the context here that when David wrote this psalm, was talking about the consecration of Aaron, the priest, and his sons as priests. We see in that image of, of holy consecration and an image of God's grace, oil lavishly being poured, marking the priest, but also showing God's abundant grace that this, that this resource would be poured out lavishly so it flows down from the head, down the beard, down the robes. It gets everywhere. And the psalmist says that's what it looks like when people live together in unity. That's how the people watching God's people can see God's grace when it's poured out extravagantly, abundantly. I'm struck by the fact that every time we see this phrase, one another, in the, in the New Testament, which was originally written in Greek, it actually reflects a single word in the biblical Greek language. And so a Greek student's flashcard would look like this. A lay loan, a lay loan, one another. And it's shown here as a reciprocal pronoun, which is just a way to say this works both ways. This is a pronoun talking about people who are in it together. It takes more than one. One does not a lay loan alone. It takes two or three or many or a body to live into this one anotherness, this mutuality, this reciprocity. And I love how in the language of the biblical Greek we see that multiple concepts are, are brought together, united in one word, demonstrating unity even in how the word is formed. Now as Christians we know it's not Unfortunately, not rare for us to witness threats to our unity, to experience voices of divisiveness, of division, to hear the voices of those who would encourage us to other someone else, to make sure that we focus on figuring out who's right and who's wrong, why we're right, why they are wrong. And we know that division and a spirit of divisiveness can be corrosive, even cancerous to the church of Jesus Christ. Divisiveness can be a massive, massive distraction to our shared mission in Jesus Christ as his followers. Because the more time and energy we pour into othering and deciding which camp is right and wrong, the less time and energy we have to focus on on our mission, on why we've been called as disciples and as the church. In Paul's letter to the church in Rome, he addresses head-on just how critical it is for the people of God, for the church of Jesus, to be people of unity. He writes in Romans 12, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. 
Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Paul concludes this passage saying, if it's possible, live at peace with everyone, to which we might say, wish us luck. (laughs) That sounds really hard, but you may notice he does put a a bit of a disclaimer in here, and he says, live at peace with everyone as far as it depends on you. Because Paul recognizes not everyone actually wants to be at peace with us. Not everyone is seeking unity with us. And so Paul presents peace building as a two-way street, as a a one-anothering, as something that requires mutuality, reciprocity. I love how Paul provides in this short passage such such a concentrated list of peace building, unity building, one anothering instructions. We could spend weeks just, just studying this list, working our way through it. Paul presents these ways of living as building blocks to a united church family, to a united body of Christ, to a church built of disciples of Jesus who are intentionally focused on one another, focused on the path of peace, focused on the mission to which we've been called in Christ. So I'd like to invite our worship team to come back up as they're able and invite us to spend, spend a few minutes prayerfully with this list you see on the, on the screen. Prayerfully ask God to, to put his finger on anything that he wants you to pay attention to. Is there something here that you recognize is a growing edge for you in your one-anothering of your brothers and sisters? How might the Holy Spirit desire to be at work in you, to allow you, to encourage you, to inspire you to take next steps with something provided here in this passage? And as you pray, I I invite that you would sense God's Spirit inviting you into new rhythms, new ways of living as interconnected brothers and sisters. So let's take a few minutes now.
It's been said that when we focus on the wrong things, if we end up majoring on the minors, we're going to get off track. We're going to lose sight of our mission. We're going to find our focus in the wrong places. We'll find ourselves heading down the path of division and disunity. My prayer is that God would help us to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. The one who draws us together despite and often because of the very differences that make us beautiful. I was struck as we heard the music. We can't live in harmony with one another unless there's some difference. Harmony is what makes music so powerful. Pray that God would keep our eyes on Jesus who breaks down the walls that can form between us who unites us into his body as one. Pray that God would help us see in the weeks ahead the differences among us as God sees those differences. That we'd see the differences that really don't matter and we wouldn't focus too much on those. That we'd see the differences that help us live into our beautiful diversity and that we would celebrate those. And that we'd see differences that mean we've got some work to do and we lean into that hard work trusting each other helping each other so that together we might live into the mission God has given us we believe we've been called by God to know him to follow his son Jesus Christ to serve our neighbors with the same love that we have been graciously shown by God through Jesus. It's Christ himself who unites us around that mission. So may we keep our eyes on him. Please join me in prayer. Loving God, we thank you this morning for tearing down the wall that separated us from you and from one another by sending your son Jesus so that our sins might be forgiven and so that we might find new life in him and that we might find that we have been joined together into his body. Thank you that in Christ the walls have been torn down. You've opened the way to unity. Help us to walk that path to keep us from the road of bitter division and othering. Forgive us for times when we've given in to those tendencies and temptations. And lead us into the path of unity for the sake of Jesus and his kingdom. We pray in his name.